0: The upright hallelujah we will rejoice in the Lord and be glad hallelujah bless his name forevermore rejoice in the Lord and be glad they that favor his righteous cause they that love his salvation and let them say continually let the Lord be magnified when you magnify the Lord in the light of his beauty Everything else is but a shadow. Isn't that what the psalm said? Yeah. Everything becomes a shadow. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else becomes infinitesimal in relationship to His magnitude, His excellence, His greatness of His grace, Amen. the infinity of, 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 um, of His power, yeah. and the abundance overflow of His mercy. Come on, in the light of those things, what is it that troubles you? Huh. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. You know, I was thinking... I um, know uh, uh, Shambach used to say, you don't have a problem, you just need faith in God. Well, I say, you don't have a problem, you just need to see as God sees. Yes. Amen? Amen? Glory to God. Say, I see as God sees. I believe his mercy. I believe he loves me he as, much as much as he loves himself. As much as he loves himself. <laughs> wow. Think about that for a moment. Doesn't, doesn't he tell us to love your neighbor how? as yourself, you think God would tell us to love others and to love your neighbor as yourself, and him not do the same thing? Pause on that for a moment. Say God loves me as much as he would himself. God loves me as much as he does himself. And you see, love is such a compelling moving force that God will do for you what he will do for himself. Think about that. God will do for you what he will do for himself. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. No wonder the word of God says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, after it's talking about the patience and the experience and and all the tribulation and all of that, and then it says, Hope make it not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And you kind of think, what do you mean? What what, what is that? Hope make it, as Romans 5, 5, Hope makes not a shame. Hope does not disappoint. There is going to be no shame in this, and here is the reason why: because the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. In other words, the Holy Ghost witnesses that love of God to your heart. And when you recognize that God is love, and you recognize that He loves me as much as He loves Himself, and He will do for Himself as He would, He will do for me as He would himself. Man, I've got every reason to hope. My hope shall not be disappointed. Glory to God. You believe that? Well, praise the Lord. Say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's stand and let's just receive today. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You know The Bible speaks about the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of meekness, the spirit of glory, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of, um, the spirit of, let me see what else is there. There's about 30 of them. There's the spirit of faith. There's the spirit of prayer. Well, I believe there is a spirit of teaching and anointing and a grace that is available any particular point in time in any situation. And we are strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Amen? So I believe God for the anointing and the, the right anointing and the right spirit for riches of the Holy Ghost by which this word would go forth this morning and accomplish that which he desires in the name of Jesus. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Let's have a seat. Glory to God. Turn me the first epistle of John, chapter 5. Hallelujah. First epistle of John, chapter 5. We've been talking about faith coming from the place of righteousness, having faith in God, and then from that place speaking to the mountain and commanding it to be moved or whatever else it is, needs to be done. So we've been talking about faith for the last while. And today we're going to focus and here's here, here the focus. God's faith is your total victory. Amen. If God's faith can operate through you, and you can function in God's faith, there is only total victory that awaits you. That's it. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Zero failure. Amen. Hallelujah. And I, 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 I pray today that, that this word would, would, would so provoke and inspire you that you'll become, hmm, the word that rises up within me, that you'll become reckless in your faith. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. That you'll become aggressive in your faith. Yeah. That you're going to become fearless and bold yeah. in your faith. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. First, a John chapter 5 and verse 4 says, Whatever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is a victory that overcometh the world. Let me back up. I want to read verse 3. For this is the love of God. 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God. That we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. The Amplified says. His commandments, these orders of His are not irksome, burdensome, oppressive, or grievous. And whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Let me say this. When you, for the one that is born again, when you are born again and you get that brand new born again spirit the essence of it is the very life of Christ your born again spirit is perfect in every way there is nothing in your born-again spirit that is irksome that is grievous that is that is oppressive that is burdensome your born-again spirit does not look at the things of god and think "Ooh, that's hard i don't know if i can handle that your born-again spirit is not like that your born-again spirit has the very nature of Christ, the very nature of God, and is in absolute, total, complete agreement with God. Nothing that is in this world, that irksomeness, that oppressiveness, that that, that kind of stuff is in the world. But it's not in your born-again spirit. In the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, but none of that is in your born-again spirit. John 14, verse 30, Jesus says, The prince of this world cometh, but he has nothing in me. There is nothing in me that he can work with. There is nothing in me that he can take advantage of. Now you see, in your born-again spirit, there is nothing that the enemy can take advantage of. There is nothing in your born-again spirit that belongs to him or that has any kind of affiliation or association with him. Not in thought, word, deed, attitude, or anything else. Your born again spirit is perfect and perfect in every way. That is why it says in Hebrews 10 and verse 14 that by our one sacrifice, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. And forever does not merely mean he has perfected us um, forever and ever and eternally. But it also means he has perfected us perfectly. (laughs) Amen? If 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 you could wrap your arms around that. You are Your spirit man is perfected perfectly, eternally, as perfect as perfect could be. 1 John 5, 18 says, Whoever is born of God, sineth not. You're born again, spirit. It is impossible for him to sin because the seed of God remains in him. 1 John 3, 8. You may sin, you may yield to your flesh, you may yield to some temptation, but your born again spirit does not. Your born again spirit lives in a place Where it is always completely and totally in fellowship and in harmony and in oneness with God. There is absolutely no separation between your born again spirit and God. That is why it says, whosoever is born of God, sinneth not. Because you see, sin is separation. Your born again spirit has no such thing. Are you with me? That is why this issue of righteousness is so important. Glory to God. This issue of righteousness, this oneness you have with God, is so awesome. Let, let me let me just let me pop up and show you a scripture for a moment. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 4 and verse 28. Because you see, this is where you live. This is the reality of righteousness, and we have to awake to this, and we've got to become established in the truth of righteousness so that we can be bold like a lion, so that we can live without fear, and so that we can do the works of God. Amen? Amen? And so that we can talk like Him, and function like Him, and have the dominion that He wanted us to have in, in the first place. Proverbs chapter 12. Hallelujah. Your born-again spirit has total, absolute Victory. It lives in a place of no separation from God. Whoever is born of God sinned not, because of this place of righteousness that he lives in. Proverbs 12, 28 in the King James says, "In the way of righteousness is life, and in the pathway there, and in and in the pathway thereof there is no debt." Listen to the amplified. Um, and in its pathway. There is no debt but immortality. Perpetual, eternal life. Think about that for a moment. You're born again. I know this sounds wild. (laughs) That in your born again spirit, because of this tremendous union with God, and this oneness that you have with God, your born again spirit has the very life of God. And in the life of God, there is no debt. So, in your born again spirit, there is no death. What is there? There is an immunity to death. There is an immortality in your born again spirit. Glory to God. Mm. Hallelujah. I have to back it up with some other scriptures, but we deal with that when we talk about healing and especially when we talk about living in divine health. Hallelujah. Your spirit is life. Divine life and healing and health and wholeness because of righteousness, because of that oneness with God. Yeah, let me play with it a little bit more. Second, second Timothy, let's go Second Timothy. That came up earlier. Second Timothy chapter one. See immortality. Oh glory to God. Man, I'm telling you, the fear of death is gone. <laughs> Hallelujah. He has tasted death for every man. So that henceforth, and he is destroyed in the power of death. So that they who are held in bondage all their life by the fear of death might come out from that bondage in Jesus' name. We now have a spirit of adoption, not a spirit of bondage again. To fear anything from the enemy. In nothing shall we be terrified of the enemy. Second Timothy chapter 1. Uh, we were talking about, let's pick it up in verse 9. He has saved you. He has called you with a holy calling. Not according to your works. But according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the word began. Remember, all the works were finished from the foundation of the world. It was given to you before the world began. What was given? The purpose, the call, the grace. Blessed with every spiritual blessing. According as he had chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy. Hallelujah. Perfected forever. But is now made manifest or brought to light by the appearing or by the unveiling of our Savior Jesus Christ that is now in us. Who had watched this now abolished death. Abolished it. Say abolished. Abolished. You like abolished? (laughs) (laughs) Abolished death. Not only that. Not only that. Not only in that there is no death but there is this life and he has brought life and immortality to light to the surface to the forefront how? through the gospel which is Christ in you the Amplified says the Amplified says and has has brought life and immortality immunity from eternal death to life through the gospel amen all right, let's back. Let's get back to the message. Praise <laughs> the Lord. So, your born again spirit that is born of God lives in this place. It sinneth not. It lives in this complete union and oneness with God. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. First Corinthians chapter six verse seventeen. We are made the very righteousness of God in Christ. So, your born again spirit has nothing that is in the world in it. Amen. We are in the world, but not of the world. The devil comes, he finds nothing in us that belongs to him in our born-again spirit. Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 36, that whom the Son sets free is what? Free. It's totally, completely free. All right. So that's wonderful. That's great. But, there is a but. Whosoever is born of God overcoming the world. But this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. In other words, then, you have all of this wonderful stuff and perfection in your spirit, the faith of God and everything else. However, for you to have that manifest in your life and in the natural realm, it's going to take faith. Amen? Amen. But this is the victory. This is what's going to cause you to have your victory manifested, even your faith. Now, what faith are we talking about here? Because we've been talking particularly about functioning in God's faith. And I'm saying that God's faith is your total victory. Now, turn with me to Galatians 2, verse 20. I know you're familiar with it, but let's lay our eyes on it. Amen? Galatians 2, verse 20. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Are you there? Galatians 2 verse 20 it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. It describes your born-again spirit as being, as having been crucified with Christ, death to the world, and all that goes with that crucifixion. And, but and now what you have is the life of Christ. It is Christ that now liveth in you. Mm-hmm. Christ is. Your life, it says. Colossians 3, verse 3. You are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And then verse 4. And when Christ, who is your life, shall appear. Amen? So Christ is a very born again life of your spirit. Isn't that wonderful? And in him is all of this immunity from death. In him is the reality. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that liveth and believeth in me shall walk. Shall walk? Did he mean that? Well, with that immunity to death, I think he did. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's another story. I'm getting back over there. Let me get that's the man here. Hallelujah! But the life you have is this life of Christ, in which there's all of this victory. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing. But now it goes on to say, that, and the life which I now live, and yet not I, but Christ living in me, and that life which I now live in the flesh which is the life of Christ, how do I live it? What does it say here? By what? By the the faith of the Son of God. Not just faith in the Son of God, but the faith of the Son of God. Is that what your King James says? All right. So, in other words, then you can live this Christ life, but the way you live it, you have it in the Spirit. The way you live it, and God is to be made manifest is by the faith of Christ. The faith of the Son of God. Amen? Which is the faith which is like God's faith. Which is God's faith. And that's what Jesus was saying in Mark 11, 22. When they were, when they were so blown out, you know, and so dazzled the fact and he cursed it, the tree and it from the roots. And he says, have faith in God have their God kind of faith. which is what we'll be talking about. Now, the main element and the anchor of God's faith, what makes God's faith work the way it does, is this fact. Romans 4, it's captured in Romans 4, verse 17. Where it says, glory to God. Now I know many of us have heard it from week to week, but sometimes you need to preach and against somebody's hearing for the first time, they can still get something to run away with and beat the devil up with. Amen? Amen? <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Romans chapter 4, verse 17. This is the under, this is the anchor of God's faith. This is what under God's faith. This is the essence of God's faith. This singular truth. And it is brought out in Romans 4, verse 17, as it is written, I have made thee, that's Abraham, a father of many nations, before whom he believed, even God who quickened the dead and called those things which be not as though they were. The Amplified says, who gives life to the dead and, and speaks of the non-existent things that don't exist as if they already exist. Here is is God's secret. Here is how it works. In the realm of the spirit, everything is finished. Hebrews 4 verse 3. Your healing is complete. Your prosperity is complete. Everything about your salvation is complete. Your lost keys are found. Amen. Amen. Amen? In the realm of the spirit, you have every, every spiritual blessing. You have the fullness of God's divine nature. Now, So, and the word is settled in heaven. So Abraham was in a position where, you see, let's understand this. For 24 years or so, Abraham was there. God was working with Abraham to get him into this place of, 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 his, of God's faith. But he only got there to the end when God changed his name. From Abraham to Abraham. A-B-R-A-M to A-B-R-A-M-H-A-M or something like that. Now we have talked about that many times in the fact that from here on Abraham began to confess, I'm the father of many nations. Introduced to people as, I'm the father of many nations, which he did. But it was not really that that was responsible for his faith coming to this level. What was responsible for his faith coming to this level was this fact. Was the fact that he believed as God believed. The Bible says, before him whom he believed. By. Well, can you come for a second? Let me show you something. The Bible says here, I have made you a father of many nations. It didn't say I'm going to make you a father of many nations. It says that for Abraham, I've already made you a father of many nations. This is how it is. You already have a multitude of children. Even though in the natural it didn't look that way, it exists in that way in the spirit. So it goes on to say. Before him whom we believed. It's like here is God. God is seeing in the realm of the Spirit. God sees that Abraham already has a multitude of children. And Abraham, who was struggling for all these years, walking, coming to the sand on the seashore and coming to the stars and trying to envision how many kids he had, all of a sudden, when God, he got to this place where, where God says, I made you for the many nations. And he came before God, and now he was able to see exactly what God was seeing. Mm-hmm. It's like look, 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 my right brother, you see, I've already made you a father of multitude of children. Do you see that? Are you sure you see that? No, in case he didn't quite see it, it's like God caused him to step into God and see through God's eyes. Mm-hmm. Once he can see through God's eyes, what is he gonna see? Mm-hmm. He's gonna see what God sees. What is God seeing? God is seeing you are, you already are a father of many nations. God is seeing that Jesus has taken your sicknesses, has carried your diseases, and by his strife you were healed. And that is greater than any doctor's report. Thanks. You follow know I me? Mean? So God's secret is this. because God sees what exists. And, and God sees what exists, looks at what exists, believes what exists. that be not here as they are here. And so God told those things that be not here as though they were already here because they are here this week." And that is the secret. That is the secret. And that is why for us it doesn't matter what we're dealing with. All we need to do is find out what is written. Find out what is finished. Find out what is the promise. Now at first you might just Cleaved to the promise by a mental assent and disagree with it. And you might not be fully seeing it. So now you got to work on seeing it. Now you got to work to come into the place where you can see what God sees. Where you can stand before him and see as he sees. Amen. And the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 11 and 12. When, Jeremiah, when God says, Jeremiah, what do you see? And Jeremiah answered and God says, you've well seen. I will watch over my word to perform it. Many times the word of the Lord is not performed in our lives, even though we are mentally saying the right stuff because we are not really seeing what God sees. Amen? And so that is why we have to labor in the word to come to the place where we can see what God sees and so that our faith can be as God's faith is and our faith will hence please him and he is a rewarder. He will walk over to perform it. Jesus is the high priest. The apostle that had priests of all professions, and he will bring fulfillment to it because the government is on his shoulder. So hear them, so then here are six keys to bring us into that place where we are able to see what exists, where we can see as God sees, where we can um, come to that place to know that it's already done. Where we can even come to the place where what exists becomes more real. Than what it looks like in the natural. Amen? So, six keys. Number one, beware of calculated pessimism, which means be aware of appearances. What it looks like, what it feels like, what the doctor reports is. It doesn't say this, this, do, ignore it, it doesn't say um, pretend it's not there, but don't make that the priority. You see what happened? Because Abraham saw that he was already a father of many nations. It was easy for him to introduce himself as the father of many nations, Abraham. It was easy for him to not be weak in faith and consider his own body a hundred years old or the deadness of Sarah's womb. Because that was, that was somewhat irrelevant when this is how it already is in the spirit. Amen? And why? Because he believed that. That is why he not only called those things that be not as they were, but he also considered not his own body now dead, or the deadness of Sarah's womb. Had he done that, he would be weak in faith. Amen. Hallelujah. So beware of any of what it looks like. We look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are that are not seen. The things that are eternal. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse eighteen. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says, we walk by, says, we walk by faith and not by sight. What does that mean? We walk by this full persuasion of what all of, of, of God kind of faith. We walk by this full persuasion of what's already done. We walk by knowing according as it is written, I believe, and therefore speak. We walk according to it is settled in heaven. So we walk by faith and not by Sight, not by appearances, not by information coming from the senses, not from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Are you with me? So we walk by faith, not by sight. So, key number one beware of, of, of appearances or calculated pessimism. See as God sees. Okay. Num- key number two. above the problem. Magnify the promises of God above the problem. Magnify His grace. Magnify His mercy. Magnify His faithfulness. Magnify what is already finished. Mm-hmm. And make it far greater than any mountain that you're facing. Than any problem that might appear. Amen? The Bible says um, "The Bible says in Jeremiah 32 verse 17 Lord, you made the heavens and the earth Nothing is too difficult for you. With men, this might be impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Matthew nineteen twenty-six. And then it says in Mark nine twenty-three, all things are possible to him that believes. Amen. So we got to believe according to what is written. We got to believe according to what is finished. We got to believe according to what's already done. That is why the Bible says in Philemon verse 6, that the communication of your faith becomes effective when you acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ. And that is when you acknowledge what's already done, what you already got, how it is in your spirit. Amen? Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But we've got to magnify. In the love of salvation, magnify God. Magnify his word. Magnify the promises. Magnify the grace. Magnify it all over the problem. You're not denying the problem. (laughs) You know, as as I said earlier, you don't have a problem. Right? What you need is simply to see as God sees. And know what already exists. Amen? Amen. Faith in God. Number three. Bind yourself to the Word. The key number three is to bind yourself to the Word of God. Which means, let's put it this way, become one with the Word. Let the Word be grafted with you and you and become one with the Word. How do you do that? By meditating in the Word. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 11 says, labor to enter into that rest. Labor in the Word. Meditate in the Word. Meaning what? Mutter it. Read it. Study it. Sing it. Envision it. Imagine it. Speak it. Make notes. And then read your notes over. Listen to CDs. Pray the word. Delight in the word. Hallelujah. It says in, um, um, I believe it's Psalms 1 verse 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditated day and night. So meditating is a process of of interacting with the Word of God in various ways and on various levels. Amen? Hallelujah. Key number four, diligence. Because if you're going to interact with the Word in such a level, on on all these levels and and, and with such intensity, so that you can squeeze the life out of that Word into you and get a Word engrafted in you and become one with you, So that you think and talk and align yourself with that word in such a manner, it's going to take some diligence. Amen. It is going to take some diligence. So, it is. So then, the key number four is to be diligent. Second Peter chapter one verse ten says, "Be diligent to make your calling and election sure." Hebrews chapter six and the wrong verse eleven in that area, says, be diligent to come to the full assurance of the hope. Don't be slothful. Don't be lazy. Because by faith and perseverance you will obtain the promise. But it takes that perseverance. Amen? It takes that diligence. Hallelujah. It takes that laboring in the word. Meditating in the word. Staying with the word. Glory to God. That's what Jesus did. Mm. Now key number five is true faith and patience. That perseverance. That patience. Don't read the second Thessalonians chapter three. Say patience. patience. Come on, say it again. Patience. patience. And say perseverance. perseverance. Amen. Second Thessalonians chapter three. Glory to God. This is key number five. It says in verse five, the Lord direct your heart into the love of God and into the patience, the patient waiting for Christ. I, I, I like the amplify. It says, the Lord direct your heart, and I believe that's the Holy Ghost, into the love of God, I believe that the Father, and into the steadfastness and patience of Christ. There is the Trinity right here, Amen? May the Spirit of God direct you into the love of God. And may He direct you into this steadfastness and into this patience of Christ. Whose patience? Christ's patience. It is God's love. It is the joy of the Lord. Amen? It is the grace of God. All of these things, Christ is in you. He is all in all. But now here, we we have the mind of Christ. God has given us a spirit of love. We've got love in there. We've got power. We've got some mind. We've got discipline. The discipline of Christ. Here, it speaks about the perseverance or the patience of Christ. So, this fifth key is this. is to let the spirit of patience and perseverance of Christ possess you. you got the word and you believe and you say this is how it is and I'm going to declare and I'm going to speak according as it is written and I'm going to operate in this and then you also have the perseverance of Christ to stay with it yeah. mm-hmm. would you reap? Mm-hmm. <laughs> would you faint? No, you won't faint. Mm-hmm. So is this important? Yes. Say the perseverance of Christ. Alright. Now, this perseverance of Christ or this, this patience of Christ I, I believe there are three aspects. There are three aspects to this patience of Christ that I like. I like us to see. In Romans chapter 8, 25, you don't need to turn to it, but in the Amplified, it says, if you hope for what is still unseen, in other words, it's not manifest yet, right? It doesn't exist in the natural, it exists in the spirit, and you're hoping for it. If you're hoping for what is still unseen in the natural, wait for it. With patience, and composure. <laughs> the means you're waiting for it and you're not freaking out. <laughs> In fact, when we come back to this word, wait, it actually has to do with waiting, with a sense of expectation, anticipation, joy, rejoicing, gladness, thankfulness. Oh man, oh, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming there. Wait, wait, wait with composure. Amen. Not fretting and worrying and, oh God, what if he doesn't? No, 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 there is no what if he doesn't here. All right? Okay. But this aspect of patience, this aspect of patience is the one that speaks about remaining steady, remaining firm. In fact, so steady and so firm, it it can even imply being somewhat laid back. But not laid back in a case Sarah mindset, but laid back with a believing, trusting, confident expectation of manifestation. Did you get that? Right? That aspect of, that aspect of patience. This, this, okay, all right. Wait, this, okay, fine, this, okay, all right. Okay, all right. Okay, all right, okay, all right. hold on, I don't care. Are you with me? All right. <laughs> Bible, chapter 2, verse 3 says, the vision is yet for an appointed time. It will not deceive nor disappoint. Though it tarry, wait earnestly for it. It will surely come. Glory to God. Amen. You see? Amen. You see the kind of waiting we're talking about? Okay. Alright. Alright. Okay. I got all day. I got eternity. What's the problem? It's going to be alright. Amen? Because don't forget, I already magnify God about the situation. I already magnify his love. I already magnify his mercy, his grace, the promises. It is written. Amen? I've already gotten hold of that. I'm working on that. Amen? Hallelujah. Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says, Such hope does not disappoint or shame you. Because the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. And that love persuades you. And God himself is love, and he will perform it. And like I said before, God loves you as he does his own self. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Remaining steadfast. That steadfastness, that remaining firm. Now, um, look at this here. The Bible says, and again, I'm talking about the remaining firm. In Hebrews 10.35, it says, Don't cast away your confidence or your hope. Because it carries a great and a glorious compensation of reward. Don't cast away. And the Amplified says, Don't fling away your hope. Don't fling away and just give up your hope and say, Well, I'll forget it then. Don't do that. Now, you said, you might think, No, 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 I wouldn't do that. Really? Let me show you what happens. The parable of the saw, Matthew chapter 13. You know where, the, where there was the one that fell on, on, um, on the ground. By the wayside and the birds came and eat it quickly. Mm-hmm. And then the next one fell on stony ground. Mm-hmm. And then the third one fell um, on, on a ground where the thorns broke and choked it. The cares of this word. And then the fourth one fell into the good soil. Mm-hmm. All right. But in that second one, Matthew chapter 13 verse 21, that fell on stony ground in the stony places, is the one that hears the word of God, and the joy you receive, the glory, hallelujah, I like that, oh, I can see it, mm-hmm. praise the Lord, <laughs> but yet, he doesn't have root in himself, mm-hmm. but he, so he it for a while, it, it, it says, that when the sun comes up, it withers. it spring up, but the sun comes up, it withers. Mm-hmm. but you see the sun that comes up, it's, it, it, and because the wound wasn't deep, it wouldn't have been dry. Mm. But that sun that come up is the tribulation. It's the persecution. It is the pressure. It is the trial and the fire. Mm. <laughs> right? mm. And it comes because of the word. Mm. And by and by, he is offended. What do you mean? He gets off the word. He stumbled on mm. pressure. Pressure come. Okay. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I believe that. Or compromise comes in. But that's getting off with the word. Mm -hmm. But you see, this perseverance and patience we are talking about, this first aspect is remaining what? Firm. Say firm. Mm -hmm. Steadfast. Hallelujah. So Hebrews 10.36 says, You have need of steadfast patience Mm -hmm. to do so that you may do the will of God. And having done the will of God, you may enjoy the full fulfillment of what is provided. Amen. Glory to Amen. God and what is promised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yes. Romans 8, verse 18 says, The suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. Amen. Amen? Amen. Say perseverance. perseverance. And that first aspect is what? Mm. Steadfastness. Yeah. Now there's a second aspect to perseverance. To this patience. And that aspect is called endurance. Say endurance. Endurance. In James chapter 5 verse 11, you don't need to turn to it. It says you heard about the patience and the endurance of Job. Haven't you? (laughs) Now Job falsely said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And I will serve him. Now he was wrong in saying, though he slay me. Because God was not the one slaying him and doing this. It was the devil, but he was right and firm to endure by saying, "I don't care what happened. I don't care if if what if his wife tell him curse God and die. Mm. I don't care if these three friends mm. come and tell me all kinds of point their finger. I don't and I don't care how much boils. Mm. I don't care how much stress. I don't care all of that." I will not, I will trust him, I will serve him, no matter what happened, yet will I serve him. Mm. That's called endurance. Are yes. oh, you heard about the endurance of Job. And by the way, the end story of Job is that something about that pleased God. And mm. what happened? His latter end was greater than the former. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. So don't totally beat up on Job. <laughs> I know he was wrong in a few things, and that you fair come upon him, but man, that man went through some stuff. And he was steadfast. Yes. Yes. James chapter 1, verse 12 says, yes. Blessed is the man that endures. Say endure. endure. Temptation and test and trials. For after he has been tried, he shall receive the crumb of life. Well, this watch this now. Mm-hmm. He will receive the crumb of life. And it doesn't say it for them that endure. And he shall receive a crown of light for them that love him. In other words, when you endure and you stare with the word and you refuse to give up on the word, God says, Man, he loves me. He loves me. I like that. God says, when a man, Jesus says, when a man loves God, God is going to open up his whole heart to him. Jesus says that when a man loves me, and me and the Father, we're we going to come and we're going to shock. And make our bull with him. Yay. Yes. Are you with me? Yes. Somebody right next there and say, I'm feeling that I feel no presence. Uh. There ain't no anointing here. <laughs> but here you are. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yes. <laughs> because why? He says, I will manifest myself to who? To everyone? No. And I'm talking about John chapter 14, 21, 23. But to him that loved me. So this scripture says, Blessed is a man, James 1 12, 12, that endures the test, the trials, the pressure, whatever, and he doesn't fling and cast away his hope, mm-hmm. but he stays firm. God says he's going to receive a crown of life. I have promised that mm-hmm. to those that love me. And God calls your steadfastness loving him. Amen? Amen. Amen? Now, what about Jesus? Say endurance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Glory to God. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1. Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every way and the sin which so easily beset us and let us run with patience. Patience. Persistence. Perseverance. The ways that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, your example, and the art and the finish of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Endured. Endured. Endured the cross. Despising the shame. Now I know sometimes you say despising, Oh I despise this. Which means I hate it. Well there is perhaps an element of that. But our word despise has to do. With making little love. Amen. The Bible says in. Proverbs 30 verse thirteen. <laughs> You want to hear Proverbs thirty verse 36? 30 is supposed to be a negative number. I don't know, but I didn't forget about that. But anyway, Proverbs thirty verse 13 says, whosoever despises the word shall be what? Destroyed. Same thing as the one that perishes without a lack of knowledge. He doesn't magnify the word. He doesn't make it big. God magnifies the word above all else, but instead he despises it. Oh yeah, I know the Bible says that, but all right? And he belittles it. God says he's going to be destroyed. Of course, because God upholds all things by the word of His power. You got to be standing on the word to be upheld. For he that favor the commandment shall be rewarded. Well, there is some faith involved there. He's a rewarder. Amen. So anyway, going back to Jesus. So it says, look up to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, Hebrews 12 verse 2, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, mm-hmm. despising the shame, not making as big a deal over the shame, but he was making a big deal of the joy that was set before him. Do you see that? Yeah. He was magnifying God above the problem. Amen? in the shame, and he set them at the right hand of the throne of God. He got the victory. <laughs> Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you become weary and faint in your minds. Mm-hmm. Amen? As I said, if you're faith, you faint, you can't weep. All right? Okay. So, again, what is the second aspect? Endurance. Say endurance. Ephesians 6 verse 13 to 40 says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. Stand therefore. Amen. And it says, and um, I'm turning to Romans chapter 8 verse 35. But while I'm turning there, let me quote Acts 10 verse. Acts 20 verse 24. Where Paul says, none of these things move me. Because I don't count my life, be unto myself. That way I have to finish my course with joy. And complete the ministry which the Lord has given me. Mm. He says, He says, You know why? You know why I can do that? He says, The reason I do that is I don't come by life even unto myself. Right. So you guys tell me, okay, I go to Jerusalem, they're gonna throw me to Rome, they're gonna throw me in jail. Mm. This is gonna happen, that's gonna happen. But if God don't want me to go to Rome, fine, I ain't gonna go to Rome. But if God is taking me to Rome, then so be it. Mm. Alright? Peter came to that place. And Jesus says, Look, Peter, when you become old, Man, they're gonna take you places that you didn't want to go. But you're gonna let us so ease do it. Mm -hmm. Amen. You're not gonna be running and hiding and denying me. (laughs) You'll be past that, (laughs) brother. Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, um, so Paul had said that in in Acts 20, 34. Watch this here. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 35, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation? Distress? Mm. Persecution? famine, nakedness, peril, sword. So, as it is written for thy sake, we are killed all the day long, counted as a sheep for the slaughter. But let me tell you something, verse 27, 37. In all these, we are what? More than conqueror. How? Through him that loved us. Through him that loved us. Hope make not ashamed. Why? Because the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. And I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things that come, or whatever else, height, depth, or any other creature, whatever else there is, shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our all. Amen? What are we talking about? The second aspect, the first aspect, remains steadfast. The second aspect, endurance. The third aspect, there's a third aspect to this. And I believe it has to do with a spirit of aggression. It, it is not, it isn't, it's not a passive side. It is the aggressive side. Where it says um, where, where, where you have this kind of mindset where it is, you know it says the king of God suffers violence but the violence taken it by force. The enemy might be on his attack. The enemy might be there trying to steal your righteousness, steal your joy, steal, steal your peace to with the kingdom of God, it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And he might be doing that violently. But you gotta be more violent than him. Amen? I mean, he's saying, having all the people, crucify him, crucify him. Father said, No, let him go, I find no fault in him. Crucify him, crucify him. He said, But, but, look, no, I, I, you know, I, I mean, come on, I, have, I can release this other one. He said, No, crucify him, we want him. That's the devil. Amen? But what? He is persistent, but we got to become more persistent. Hallelujah. We have the one, we are the one that has the perseverance of Christ, not his. Amen? Hallelujah. So, there is that aggression that says, This victory is mine, this harvest is mine, this healing is mine. I demand it, I'm going to have it. It's like Caleb. Caleb is now 80 years old, I think. And they've been there for a while, and everybody else has gotten their property and their inheritance. Mm-hmm. And Peter said, "You know what, Josh, I want this mountain." Mm-hmm. Josh said, "You do?" He said, "Yeah, give me this mountain." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Joshua said, you, "Can you handle it?" There's some, there's, there's some folks out there. They gotta drive out. He said, "Look, mm-hmm. I might be a little bit old, but I'm just as strong." Mm-hmm. Amen. I'm just as strong as the David, we spied out the land. Yeah. Give me this mountain. And the and Bible says, he said he demanded a mountain, and he went, and he took it. Amen. That's the spirit of perseverance talking about. That aggressive spirit, glory to God, Amen. that will refuse to take no an answer. All right. Key number six, final key. What for? This, these keys are to help you to function in God's faith. To, to lock yourself into what already exists, to see what God sees, and to be established in that, and not be moved by what it appears like. And this, 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 this key, I'm calling it the sacrifices that are pleasing to God. First Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says that we are a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable and pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. Now, if it's going to be pleasing to God and faith pleases God, there is something about these sacrifices that has an element of faith in it. Amen. What are these sacrifices? These spiritual sacrifices you have to offer. There is the sacrifice of righteousness. There is the sacrifice of joy. There is the sacrifice of thanksgiving. There is the sacrifice of praise. There is the sacrifice of rejoicing. And there's a sacrifice of a broken and a contrite heart. Amen? Now, I believe one of the reasons they call sacrifices is because it kind of costs you a bit. And it costs you a bit because it goes against the flesh. Amen? And, it is, and, it, and there is a suffering and a cost to it. It, 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 it is not your natural inclination until you become so transformed and renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's one thing to be confirmed, not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. Romans 12, verse 2, but it's another thing. Ephesians 4, verse 23. 22 says, strip off the old man. And 23 says, and be trans and be renewed. In the spirit of your mind, you know what that is? Where you come to such a place that you're such a you're, you're in the spirit of it, that without even thinking, you just do it. Amen. Without thinking, you just speak the word. Without spe- thinking, you just forgive. Without thinking, you just love. Without thinking, you just declare faith. In other words, it becomes spontaneous. Amen. And it's finished. Mm-hmm. This is how it is. If only now it takes some work to get there. But anyway. Um, so, it has, it, there is a cost because it goes against you, your, your natural, the way your flesh and the way you would normally be. Mm-hmm. And in that regard, that is why you it see it's faith. It's hooked up on what's already done, what is not seen. So, let's look, let's look at some of these sacrifices. and um, Number one, the sac, Psalms 4, verse 5 says, this, We offer the sacrifice of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Put your trust in the Lord. Which means, you know, it says in 1 Timothy 6, verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. But the verse before says, pursue righteousness. Which is to say that um, this pursuit of, 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 of fighting the good fight of faith, part of that fight is to stay in this oneness with God. It's to stay in this authority that you have. It's to stay in this place of freedom from condemnation and insecurity and inferiority. And that's a fight. That's a sacrifice to do that sometimes. Second sacrifice, thanksgiving. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, says um, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is, some, is, is, is something, you mix it with your prayer, you mix it with your faith, and, and, and you mix it with your declarations and you let thanksgiving go up to God. Amen? You see, thanksgiving says, I believe. Thanksgiving is also a sacrifice. Second Corinthians 2, verse 14 says, Thanks be unto God. Second Corinthians 2, 14. Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph. Now, to start with, He always causes us to triumph. You ought to give Him thanks. I <laughs> mean, whatever's going on. No matter what it looks like, he's still causing you to triumph. If you believe that, what shall you do? Give him thanks. Hallelujah. So it becomes a faith connector. Psalm 1 and 722 says, Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Declare his works with rejoicing. You know, it ought to be a habit, at least for me in some areas it is. When it comes to healing, I, if I feel anything funny. I'm very quick. I'm, and I knew don't even of thinking. Thank you, Lord, for your divine healing power flowing in my body. By Jesus Christ, I am healed. Thank you, Lord, Jesus, you my healer. Jesus, you my healer. Thank you, Lord, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, I'm pregnant with your divine healing and life and health flowing through. And I'm and mixed thanksgiving in there. If I was teaching somebody how to get manifestation, that's part of what I will tell them. Thank you, Jesus. You are my healer. Thank you, Lord, for your divine healing power, flowing in my organs, flowing in my bloodstream, flowing, making my immune system supernaturally empowered to resist every sickness, disease, and every infection. Jesus, you are my healer. Thank you, Lord. This is abounding in thanksgiving. Are you with me? All right? That's it, you know, mixing it with your confession, mixing it with your prayer, mixing it with your faith. Jonah chapter 2 verse 7, you know the story of Jonah, or 2 verse 9 I think it is, and Jonah said, I will sacrifice, first of all he says, I'm not going to agree with these lying circumstances, this seaweed around my neck, this dark slippery environment, everything in here stinks, and all of that, he says, I'm not going to let these circumstances and cause me to deny the mercy of God, but what will I do? I will sacrifice unto you, Lord, with the voice of thanksgiving, and I will pray that, I, that which I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. I'm telling you, that's a great statement of faith when you are in the belly of the fish. That salvation is of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Don't tell me did you did know, faith. You know who, 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 who was um, Jonah's enemy in his situation? And the Lord spoke to the fish, and the fish vomited out Jonah up on the dry land. Can you imagine that? I mean, it's nice to get vomited out when you've been there for three days and three nights. But suppose he had vomited him out in the middle of the lake. <laughs> <laughs> then he had another problem. <laughs> but praise God, he vomited him out on the dry land. So he didn't have to swim. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The Lord is- Hallelujah. We ought to try some Thanksgiving, amen. Lift <laughs> you the belly of the whale or the fish. Man begin to give thanks and declare the Lord, salvation is of the Lord. Amen. Colossians 2, verse 7 says, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving will cause you to be established in faith as you abound in thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Number 3. Praise. Hebrews 13, verse 15 says. By him, let us offer the sacrifice of praise continually that is the fruit of our lips. giving thanks unto his name. It says in Psalms 33, verse 1, that praise is comely for the upright. Praise is comely for the upright. In other words, this is what righteous people are supposed to do. If you're righteous and you're one with God, and God is your life, and God is your strength, and God is your salvation, and God is your deliverance, and he's the lifter rock of your head, if God is all of that and you're one with all of that, you ought to just rejoice you ought to rejoice and give him praise now you want to tell me this is not a sacrifice that connects up with faith that connects up with what is finished that is why these things please him hallelujah Jeremiah 17 26 says bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord and that means church but it means here, right here everything that is within me Bless his holy name. Abraham, it says, in, after, going back to Romans chapter 4, verse 19, where it says, um, Abraham was not weak in faith, and he considered not his, his body now dead, that was 100 years old, or the deadness of Sarah's womb, and he staggered not to the promise of God through unbelief, and then hear what it says, but he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. In other words, as he began to praise and magnify God, his faith also grew. Hallelujah. There was a situation where the children of Israel were surrounded by the army, and they were outnumbered, and it didn't look good. And the God went, and they began to see God, and God gave them some erections, right, and gave them some assurance of victory. And then Jehoshaphat thought, hmm, this, I'm so excited about this. That the Bible says, he sent out the praise and the worshippers ahead of the army, playing harps and, and trombones and, and all kinds of flute and all kinds of instruments, singing praise the Lord. I had going to deal with an army with, 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 with machine guns and rifles and somebody said, oh, they did they have machine guns. Okay, whatever else they had. Are you with me? And the Bible said that when in, in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 22. When the people began to praise and the sinners began to praise and magnify God, God set ambushes against the enemy. God began to set ambushes against them. Amen. And they end up destroying themselves. The Bible says Jesus said when they we were in the temple, in Matthew 26, when they were saying, Stop these little children from praising you and carrying on like this. Jesus said, No, 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 I'm not going to stop them. For out the mouth of babes, God has all perfected praise. And Jesus was actually quoting from Psalms 8 verse 2, which says, Out of the mouth of babes, you have perfected strength. You bring forth strength to silence the enemy. Put that together, and it is saying that when you praise God, God has ordained that praise would silence or bind the enemy, and at the same time, it would empower you and give you strength, especially in the realm of your soul. In the realm of your emotions, in the realm where in that emotional area, which is where you would begin to wander and waver, and that could move you in the wrong direction. Emotions e move. Am I right? But he said he's already in praise for that reason. So sometimes in that situation you don't know what to do. Let's begin to praise God. Let's begin to magnify him. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. And then the fourth one, joy and rejoicing. Psalms 27, verse 6 my, he- my head shall be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore, will I offer in the tabernacles sacrifice of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing, I will sing praise unto the Lord. Joy and rejoicing, which is also connected up to praise. That voice of faith, joy is a voice of faith. For the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross. 1 chapter 1, verse 8, basically says, we haven't seen Jesus. Right? And even though we haven't seen Him, even though we haven't seen what already exists in the realm of the Spirit with our physical eyes, yet, even though we don't see Him, yet we rejoice, with joy, unspeakable, full of glory. And then here it says, receiving the end of our faith, even the salvation of our soul. In other words, when your soul and your mind, and your will, and your emotions come into the place and come in line, that's when your faith comes to maturity. Amen? While your faith, while your emotions are still off of this, your faith still are, and, and, and mature yet. Abraham, who strong in faith, giving glory to God. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul, 1 Peter 1, verse 8. Amen? Hallelujah, get that? So this joy, this rejoicing, this praise, it is to bring you, it's not only, it is to betray you in your faith, bring you into a place where you can now rest. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Philippians 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, In his presence there is fullness of joy, and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. There is also a connection between joy and the presence of the Lord. Alright? Now the final one. The final sacrifice. The sacrifice of a broken and a contrite heart. God says in Psalm 51 verse 17, The sacrifices of God are broken and a contrite heart. Such he will not despise. Which means he doesn't take it lightly. Right? And that is a heart that hates sin, a heart that loves holiness, a heart that is righteous, a heart that is humble. That's what broken in the contrite heart is all about. Hebrews 1 verse 9 says, Jesus, he loved righteousness and he hated iniquity. That means Jesus was abiding in the fear of the Lord. Jesus had a broken in the contrite heart. Therefore, God, even his God, anointed him with the oil of gladness above his fellows. Hallelujah. Amen? Now the sacrifices of God are pleasing unto God. Why? Because they connect with faith. Because they express faith in what God has finished. And because they judge God as being faithful. And because they magnify God and his character. And at the same time, the sacrifices... as they please God, they also empower you in your soul because they will drive out the negative emotions of oppression and depression and anxiety and fear. And it will empower you to stand firm until you see the salvation of God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Lord. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Glory to God. Rejoice! And again I say what? Rejoice. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you, and in nothing be terrified by the enemy. When you behave like this, he figures, "Uh-oh, there's something I don't know," and it is to him an indication of his impending doom. Let me one verse twenty-eight. Say, "I refuse to be terrified." Amen. Amen. Now all of these things is for what purpose? It's to so that we can become more aggressive. We can have faith like God and as a result be more aggressive. Speak in the mountain, be more bold, be more tenacious, be even reckless. Reckless don't mean getting off with the word. It just means that you're in a don't care place. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Hallelujah! Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Well, that's the Lord. Hallelujah. This is a good place to bless the Lord in our giving. Don't you think? Amen. Amen. Come with an offering. Hallelujah.